take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 3, Chapter 5. I am very excited about today's show. It will start with a memory from Guido Verhoff. He will share with us a memory about Royal Sorel. So after that, we'll go into an interview with Colin Miles. And please stay till the end uh, for some messages and updates and also uh, for the tip. See you soon after the interview. But first, here is Guido Verhoff. The first time I met Royal was in uh, 2000 at the Millennium Jam. At that time, I've been uh, working as a balloon artist for like uh, eight years. And in Europe at the time, there was not a lot of educational material. There was nothing uh, uh, that you could basically find, not a lot. Um, so and this year was the first time that there was a, a large convention uh, in Europe. And it changed a lot, and especially the people who were there, the teachers. And Royal was one of the, the most inspirational uh, men that I met there because he had a different way of thinking, different way of combining decor, the twisting skills, but on, on an art level. And it's not only the, the way how he thought about balloons, his techniques, but also the way how he thought about business how he approached performances. His, his style was different than, than anybody else I knew. So he's been always a, a big uh, influence uh, for me, one of the, the people I admire the most. The funny thing is I started uh, being more active in the balloon industry uh, after uh, 2000, 2001. I, uh, uh, did some uh, large sculpture competitions in uh, uh, Team Jam at the time in the States, in Austin, uh, the Millennium Jam uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, so there were a couple of uh, uh, times that we actually crossed swords because we were both competing. And uh, it's actually a funny history because uh, he hated my guts because I kicked his ass uh, on the competition. <laughs> But the, the funny thing is, it's been uh, uh, always a, a, a mutual admiration. Uh, and through the years, uh, we've been working side by side on the various conventions. Uh, and uh, we became uh, more and more friends. And yeah, if I remember the last, uh, last twist and shout uh, when we met in the hallway. And normally... Uh, Royal can also be, um, he's a real gentleman and conservative sometimes in a way, uh, in, in like the European style and everybody who knows me, I like to hug people and give them a kiss on the cheek, Dutch style. And uh, the, the moment I met Royal, he, he put on his hands forward like he always does, like, hey, and he wanted to give me a hug. And I said, like, I'm going to give you a big hug and a big kiss. And he was a little bit shocked on one hand and on the other hand, he appreciated it because uh, we, we're, we're good friends. And, uh, and that's the way uh, we do it in Holland. And uh, for me, that's, uh, 
that's something uh, symbolic for our relationship. We 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 yeah, we've been uh, good friends uh, for a long time, and uh, the friendship was just built on on admiration and respect for each other's artworks. And that was Guido Verhoff, who just recently broke the Guinness World Record on creating the biggest balloon sculpture uh, in an entire village of, of a sculpture. And that was made from more than 350,000 balloons. Uh, Guido didn't do this alone. Guido is managing and leading an entire team of balloon artists from all around the world. And that was a project that we will uh, learn more about in uh, season four. And for now, let's move right in to Colin Miles from Scotland. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Today we have uh, on our show a very special guest from Scotland. All the way from Scotland we have Colin Miles. Colin Miles is visiting Israel because he's teaching in the Israeli convention hosted by Happiness Is Us. And it's a Qualtex event uh, for both uh, balloon artists and retailers. And uh, in case you are not familiar with Colin's, which is probably quite hard because because he's been around. Uh, Colin uh, started balloon, his balloon journey around 23 years ago and has a shop and a decor business, and he's now teaching 11 years. He has DVDs. We'll talk about that in the end of the interview. And Colin is known for his high professional level, his accuracy, his devotion to, to technique and to the principles and elements of designs. And the topic of... Of today's interview is um, how to uh, create a sculpture for a customer or for a competition from beginning to finish. We'll talk about the entire phases. So before we go into the content, uh, how are you, Colin? Hi, ZV. Thank you very much for, for, for having me on your show. Uh, thank you. So before we start to talk, can you tell us a little bit about what you were uh, teaching here in the Israeli convention? Really, I was teaching beginning balloon professionals which I think is actually a really good thing to do because if you have a solid foundation when you start in the balloon business then you can really go on and grow yourself if you don't have the solid foundation it's much more difficult to uh, to perform better as an artist Uh, that's very interesting because we also had an interview with uh, Jeff Wong and Edward Cow who are teaching in, the, in this convention and they were just saying exactly the same thing, how important it is to have a good foundation. So today we will go over the flow of uh, making a design in real life in a real scenario which is either a customer or a competition piece. So before we start to get to the actual sculpture, how does it all start? start how do you you get to the situation where you need to provide this uh, solution okay first of all the phone will ring and the phone can ring anytime and my customers can ask for anything basically for me this is great it's a challenge for me every time they will will ask for a sculpture sometimes I'm lucky Sometimes it's a sculpture I've done before, which is less thought pro, uh, process. Sometimes it's something completely different, which is a great challenge for me. So how do you tackle this? What do you do on the first phone call? Right. I will first of all ask, what size sculpture would you like? 
Is it something to sit on a table? Is it in the house? Is it in a function room? What size is it you would like? Once we establish the size, I then look to what would be the best type of balloons to work with. If it's, for example, in a hotel, in a function room, where there's a lot of space and they want a full size, for example, kangaroo, then I'll think more on the lines of using framing with aluminium and then very much on round balloons, whether it's 11-inch and 5-inch. That would be my initial thing, what size it is. If it's a tabletop sculpture, then I will go for more 260, 160 cube balloons. Got it. So the first thing it's important to you to understand, the, like, what is the event and what are the size uh, constraints on the on the, the specific event. Absolutely, absolutely. Then once I have my size, I start thinking of the techniques and texture that will be best fit the sculpture that I'm going to do. Texture, for example, I did a small sculpture, and I wanted a really smooth texture. And I wanted to make an elephant. I knew with, with actually twisting the balloons normally, I was not going to achieve that smooth uh, texture that I actually wanted. So, so wh- what did you do uh, in order to replace the 260 and the weave options? Right. What I did was I, I actually got a 646 balloon, but then I twisted the head and the body of the elephant and I pushed the twisted head and body and trunk of the elephant into the 646. At this time, this had never been done before, and I found that the the, the texture was wonderful uh, to do it. Now, I actually tell a lie, because what I wanted to do was a dolphin for the competition. <laughs> but when I pushed it in, it actually looked as a wonderful elephant. <laughs> okay, so sometimes this happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, that was the dolphin elephant uh, <laughs> story from the competition when, by the way? Yes, the competition went very well and I actually achieved a second prize for, for the competition. But sometimes experimenting in the house, you, what you initially start off with for a competition can change radically. And in this case, it did. Yes. Uh, so we talked about the size uh, element and the, the te- texture. Can you give other examples of textures that are interesting for you when you're making a design? Well, yes. I, I really don't want to mix <coughs> the, a twisted piece and a woven piece or round balloons. Sometimes round balloons and twisted uh, or, or 260s can work quite well, but you must be very careful. Too many different textures by too many different styles can uh, be offensive to the eye. Sometimes you can mix, but sometimes it's too much. Cool. Uh, and uh, so you already start to design... Uh, the, like to think about the texture on the initial call once you have the size uh, uh, constraints. Uh, what is what do you do next after you get the the job? You get the order. You get the champion um, piece that you decide to do. So what what's next? Yeah. Usually, hopefully, my client will be kind enough to give me a week or two weeks notice of the sculpture. What I will do then next is go to Google. So. 
if perhaps that my, my sculpture was a frog, I would look at pictures of real frogs on Google and possibly pick one that was a good angle and print that out. My next step would be again Google and actually go to cartoon images and take one cartoon image of the frog. Print that out as well. Third step would be go to social media, for example, Facebook, or it could be Bloon HQ. We have a good resource of photographs, of balloon photographs, and see if there is prior, prior examples before. So from these three different sources, I will try and get a picture of how my frog will, or my sculpture will look. And what kind of things will, uh, will you try to achieve in terms of choosing the right picture or choosing the right caricature uh, or, or even choosing, like if you see something has been done, what would you then try to achieve inside your head when you're thinking about the research phase? What, what in my head, I'm just trying to immerse myself initially, maybe for 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, with that sculpture try and get a picture if it's um, f- for example one p- example is I had to do a golfer I did not want a static golfer I actually wanted a golfer with movement so I look for the uh, the movement in the golfer coming at the backswing is not so good it's actually quite difficult coming into the hitting area of the golfer it's also quite difficult to get a motion for me the best motion was the finish of the actual golf swing. So that's what I would base everything on, was this movement of the finish, which implies the action that the, that the sculpture was and a movement to the sculpture. And that's what I would do in, that, in the, my whole process, is to try and get that movement of the sculpture at the finish of the swing. That's interesting because you're not looking at the, at, at, at the job at hand as you need to make a sculpture or you need to make a decoration piece. You're also thinking about the meaning of what you're sculpting and what will, how will it behave in real life, how will the golfer behave, how will the dolphin behave and so on. And you want to imitate something which is uh, realistic. Yes, this is absolutely true. Honestly, you would not want to be in my store because quite often I stand in my store and if I do a runner, I will make myself a position of of a runner. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Uh, Or sometimes even worse, if a dolphin, I will try to see what the dolphin position position is. Really, I do this in private. I don't do this in teaching. So not on the front of the shop, in the studio end? No, I have a lovely big store room uh, workshop behind the behind the shop so uh, I go to my 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 workshop where nobody can see me do this <laughs> I, I think that even if we stop here and not give any other tip this tip alone of be the dolphin be the dolphin I think this alone uh, can inspire a lot of artists to to take the extra mile and uh, to uh, visualize uh, in real life what they want to achieve so these are uh, three steps uh, of the research of doing Google and Google and uh, social media and so on and Balloon HQ, which is a wonderful resource. Uh, what's next? Like the deadline is arriving. What do you do next? I, I try to do this more or less as soon as the customer um, commissions the sculpture. And if it's in a week's time, 
I know that the, the, the sculpture will look its best if it's done one day before, possibly even two days before. So in, in its interim, I kind of forget about the sculpture, but it's still in the back of my mind. Uh, it's still turning over in the back of my mind. Then, when I finally decide, OK, I must start, that's when I start to panic. <laughs> Yes, so so the deadline is coming soon and you need to actually create the sculpture. Yeah, so uh, as I say, I, I procrastinate. I will do everything possible to put off the beginning of the sculpture because I'm terrified <laughs> at this stage. But this is good because if, I, if I'm not quite excited about making a sculpture, then I don't feel like I'm giving it everything. The best part of, of the sculpture is actually when I blow the first balloon up and begin. Because once I start on the sculpture, things begin to calm down. Sometimes I don't get it right first time. Probably 70% of the time I actually do because I've done the background work. But 30% of the times I don't get it right first time. It doesn't actually worry me when that happens because I can then see, no, you've done this wrong, you should have done this, or I should have used this particular technique. So I know um, I've got more of a strength the second time I start, and then I'm quite confident. You know, uh, uh, for the listeners out there, I want to emphasize, uh, this is after 23 years of doing this, and Colin is still passionate enough about uh, about his work and about this art that he is nervous before he has a new sculpture to make. My biggest fear always has been my biggest fear as I present a client the sculpture and he laughs and says this is rubbish. Wow and uh, if you go and see some of Colin's work then uh, you know that uh, it is uh, far far from it. Uh, so But again, when you start to blow up the first balloon, that's when you know that uh, it's, the, like, it's the easy part now because you did your homework. Yes, yeah, it, it does work like this. It probably shouldn't work like this, but then I become involved in the sculpture. I hate then people who will interrupt me if the phone will ring. I don't have a mobile phone, partly because of reason. If I want to start the sculpture, I want the peace and quiet so I can continue the flow. I don't want to be disturbed when I'm doing the sculpture. And it may only take 10 minutes to do the sculpture. It may take an hour. It may sometimes even take four hours to do the sculpture. However long it takes, I want to be within that moment, within that sculpture. Once it's finished, it's finished. So uh, for, for all the listeners out there, I would encourage to keep your phone because you're probably listening to the, to the podcast with your phone, but you can always switch it to air mode and focus on doing your work. And uh, this is, uh, I think, an important, an important tip because being focused on the art and the process and the actual creation and being... Uh, Uh, demanding of yourself during this phase uh, this will create better results afterwards yeah you know, the mind the mind I think is a very powerful tool I try not to use totally my conscious mind when I'm doing a sculpture quite often because I get lost in the sculpture it's my subconscious mind that's bringing things out and in my early days when I made a sculpture, Possibly two years later, someone would ask me to replicate the sculpture, and I found I could not. 
Yes, so you will basically go through the entire process again for the new customer. Sometimes that happens, not so much now, because I take uh, much more of a, of a note of what I will actually do in the sculpture uh, so that if someone then will, will ask me to replicate, I can replicate it. Uh, but early days, I, I had a problem because I was so focused, I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. The sculpture might turn out really well, but I had a real problem to then replicate that sculpture. Very interesting. Uh, Colin, I want to ask, these days uh, you have uh, your teaching gigs and you have your shop, which is uh, managed mainly by your wife, Ray. And uh, let's say hello to, to, to Ray. Hello, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Like, I, I knew that uh, my wife, Autumn, would appreciate that, so I, I just had to do that. And, uh, and uh, uh, these days... Uh, when, you, when you're so uh, busy sometimes uh, um, do you do you have uh, things that you see in uh, in Facebook or happening in the balloon walk in the balloon art uh, world that are uh, inspiring you and are interesting for you and what are those things that you see and and uh, are inspiring for you absolutely every day I check Facebook and balloon HQ every day to see what sculptures what techniques are, are being used quite often there'll be a technique that I'm not familiar with what I will try and then do is to figure out the technique and if I really like the technique and I cannot figure out the technique I'm quite happy to buy the DVD if a person has a DVD or a PDF I'm quite happy to learn because the more techniques I have the more tools I have when it comes to making either a decoration or a sculpture. So every day I try, it's difficult, the older you become, and I'm pretty old now, the older you become, the less motivated you do become. But I try to focus myself, force myself to learn each day new, new things. Yes, I think learning in the, in this industry is an ongoing process. You just uh, can always learn more, and especially these days with uh, Facebook and with the power of the Internet that uh, you can uh, continue your professional development uh, always, even while driving. Yeah, I love uh, the work that some of the Russian artists are doing just now, some of the Asian artists. Japan is part of Asia, but possibly a, a, a separate uh, entity. The Japanese artists, uh, I'm always looking to see what uh, artists are developing. There's some really nice artists developing in also South America just now as well. I, I love to watch what they're doing, even just the colors they use, the style that they're using. Some people are very flowing style. Some people are quite regimented style. I love to see this and try and incorporate and try to take something from each person. Yes. <laughs> we are we, we are, we are all uh, learning from each other and it's very important to do so so and again I, I can't uh, stress enough how important it is to watch for uh, more more uh, from Russia and more from Japan and more from China and Hong Kong and Taiwan and and again uh, uh, d- like learn from whoever you can so uh, uh, go to convention and so on um, so um, Let's talk a little bit about uh, the DVDs that you have online and uh, like in case people want to go and learn about you. So we'll start with that. Uh, where should people go if they want to learn more about uh, Colin Miles? That's, sorry, that's a good question. I do have a, a Facebook page 
um, under Colin Miles. If you if you uh, type in Colin Miles, you should find my Facebook page. We also have the website, which is partytimedundee.com. And that's got a lot of my work, but it's very much focused on uh, on my commercial clients. It's on Facebook. If you type in Colin Miles, you should find uh, my Facebook page. Also, more for our customers, I have the partytimedundee.com website. Um, for my DVDs, that's on a separate website. It's smileyballoons.com for the, the DVDs. And uh, we'll put uh, the links for all three of them on the show notes on balloonartistpodcast.com. So it will be super easy for you to check those out. And uh, I did my research about your DVDs and a uh, really interesting concept. First of all, uh, you can learn from Colin Miles from when he was uh, younger and had a lot of hair. And uh, it would be interesting to go and watch. So uh, so even if you just want to watch Colin Miles very on his young, days uh, you should go but actually there's the, the DVDs by themselves are extremely generous you can see how Colin Miles is generous on his work and also on his DVDs so we have one DVD about weaving techniques and is this uh, the weaving techniques DVD is it just the weaving for big sculptures no not at all what I try to, to, to show is the way that I start weaving and on the DVD, I start off with the top hat. For me, weaving is all about constraints. If you start with six-spoke weave, then you can either go straight up and down, like, a, a, like in a column, or you can go out, straight out, like a discus or a disc. That's your constraints. It's either up and down or straight out. Everything else from there is in between so what I explain on my DVD is the measurements you need to make to go straight out obviously to go straight down it's the same size all the time but to go straight out you're constrained by a maximum size if you go if you increase your bubbles by more than that maximum size everything collapses in on each other on itself so that's why I show on the DVD everything from there creates shape and uh, I had the opportunity today to uh, watch over your shoulder when you were doing a little bit of uh, weaving and controlling the sizes of the bubbles with a measured tape uh, so even today after so many years of, uh, of work you you still are, uh, you, you, it's still important for you to be that precise with your weaves okay yes I can quite easily weave a top hat or weave simple objects without a ruler. I prefer to do with the ruler because for me it is just as quick to do with the ruler. I say I'm not a performer. Uh, most of my work is done for clients or for competitions. So I, I don't care about pleasing the, the audience when I'm working. I do care about getting precise work. For me, it's easier to work with the ruler and I say just as quick to work with the, the measuring. 
Got it. And the second DVD, I think, is uh, the Weddings DVD. And I noticed there's uh, multiple hearts there and uh, designs and specifically an astonishing uh, heart technique. Heart with technique is really hard to explain on the audio format, but it has a very, very unique texture. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that technique? Yeah. It, it evolved. Like most techniques do, they do, do not happen overnight. Some people think, oh, we can just create a technique. It doesn't, it, it evolves. I wanted to make a, a 3D heart probably about 10 years ago. And I got the technique to a certain level of the heart, but I could not finish and get the curve at the top of the heart quite right. It was close, but it was not quite right. And I actually stopped maybe for five or six months. I then went back to the technique, tried again, still not, but after maybe three times in the space of almost a year and a half, I finally figured one small step that made a huge difference to the shape of the heart. That was great. I had then the shape of the heart, but it was empty inside. I experimented then, and it's, I think it's still on my Facebook page and website, with five-inch balloons inside the heart, and that worked really well with a small heart, and it looks a nice texture with a small heart. But if I make a bigger heart, then that didn't work as a texture. The, the balloons did, just didn't work with 11-inch balloons. It didn't work. So again, I was stopped, again, for probably about a year then it came to me a weaving technique with two or with 160s into the 260s created a fantastic texture and it is actually extremely simple I cannot explain uh, over the, 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 the podcast uh, it's very p- difficult to put into words but the technique is extremely simple but the effect is really nice and uh, I strongly recommend people to go and watch that heart because it's just stunning and uh, really surprising to see the texture uh, because of the combination uh, and of the skilled uh, technique uh, inside this design. Uh, can you estimate that, that heart, how many balloons are uh, incorporated into this uh, sculpture? Yeah, sure. For a 260 heart, uh, I will use eight 260s and eight 160s. Okay, cool. And you also have a DVD uh, about quick links and uh, a DVD about little things. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about those? The Little Things is actually my favorite DVD. This is just a collection of of sculptures, little, little sculptures, not even sculptures. It could be designs, but I particularly like. What I have tried to do is to use slightly different techniques on each of the designs in that DVD. Um, it's quite close to my heart, the Little Things one. It's not a specific theme. There's a lot of different themes going on. So for, for me, uh, it's, it's probably my favorite DVD uh, at the time. So uh, how about the Quick Link DVD? Why did you do the Quick Link one? Well, actually, the Quick Link one, I love very much because for years and years, we did not have Quick Links that I could use. But I knew... I did a lot of work with one with 260Qs and making bubbles with 260Qs. I love to make bubbles with 260Qs. And I know that anything I can make with bubbles with 260Qs, I can also make with quick links. 
So quite honestly, everything in the DVD I can do with 260s and everything I can do with quick links, I can do again with 260. The, the, the two mediums transfer absolutely and the quick link is great for me because if I have to make a sculpture with quick link I can do with 260s first and know 100% it will work with quick link that, that's very interesting and uh, I uh, noticed this concept also uh, like in WBC 14 uh, there were uh, like uh, dogs and designs of uh, dragon by David Brennan and uh, he used the same concept as well but if you go and watch Colin Miles uh, DVD about quick link you can see that there are 3D sculptures there that are quite uh, big and impressive uh, thanks to the fact that you're using uh, 12 inch quick links. Exactly, exactly and it's such a great medium to use because pretty much everything I do in the quick link DVD is without frame the only frame I use is for base plates and poles for the large tunnel, tunnel. everything else is, is freestanding, there's no frame in it at all which is terrific. It's so easy. Cool. Well, uh, awesome. Uh, so, before you wrap up, do you have any uh, additional tip that you can give us about the way that you um, um, that you will uh, implement your uh, system into a competition piece? So, what are the difference between a customer in the artistic process uh, in compared to uh, a competition? Okay. It's a really good question, Evie. In some ways, I, I love the competitions and I, I love to enter competitions because it pushes me beyond my usual comfort zone. The competition's also great because it, it's something from me that I can make. It's not what the client's dictating. The problem downside with the competition, usually the size specifications are very demanding are very exact it could be one meter square if you're in if you ex, uh, exceed the one meter square then you get disqualified from the competition so it's very much the constraint is the space and what i will do is i'll actually tape out on my desk or my my, my work station the constraints that i have and make sure that it's going to fit into that into that room Cool. And apart from the size constraints, any additional tips for, uh, for, for the balloon artists out there that are doing competitions? Absolutely. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Remember, when you do competition, everything takes twice as long as it would normally take. And that's the thing that I see so many times in competitions over the years. Happens to me all of the time. What you think you can make... <laughs> It takes you twice as long to make it as it would normally do. Yeah, in fact, uh, when you are estimating the time that you work, even not just for a competition but also for a customer, sometimes we uh, overestimate our ability to do things fast because we are fast in general. But uh, but when you are estimating your work and you are estimating your time constraints, you need to take that into consideration. The biggest reason for this on competition is the nerve factor because you so want to do well in the competition everything tightens you're not relaxed everything tightens so consequently it does take longer and it's great that you would want to care to put your best work in unfortunately the consequence of caring so much it makes, it, it makes everything happen worse than it is it's just nerves Yes, 
Uh, so how do you calm your nerves? Experience now, but I have to allow whatever I will make. If I think I can make in one hour, I have to say, right, it's going to take two hours. So my trick now is if it takes me, if the competition allows for one hour, I have to be able to make this easily within half an hour. So I have no worry then with time. Even if it does take twice as long, I'm still okay for the time. And that's really the way I work for competition. Interesting. It's an interesting concept. Uh, so, Colin Miles, uh, thank you so much for coming to Israel and for educating us here, balloon artists and shop owners in Israel. And thank you so much for meeting us, uh, the Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Uh, and uh, we will share uh, all of your details uh, with, the, with the people so that they can learn more about your art. Look, listen, guys, you really need to check Colin Miles out in case you're not familiar with uh, this talented artist from Scotland. So, Collins, thank you so much again for everything. Thank you very much, Zivi. And there's one thing I can leave everyone with, is please retain your passion. With passion, you can do anything. You need the passion. Retain your passion and prepare, prepare, prepare. Thank you so much. Wow, I think you can really hear how Colin Miles is passionate about his work and how even after 23 years, it's still exciting for him to be challenged and he gets challenged on a regular basis. What I take from Colin Miles is mainly the, the tactic of beat the dolphin. I think we should all, you know, think about our sculptures as something that is real. And if it is real, then it's not just a thing. It has emotions, it has a movement, it has a situation, it has a past and it has a future. So thinking about all of these can create a more realistic uh, sculpture, but also a more interesting one. I have a few things I want to share with you. First of all, I'm using a brand new microphone and a brand new setup for the podcast. I've spent a lot of money and time and uh, I got some great advices from friends to improve the voice quality. And I hope that this is something that you will enjoy. Guys, today, more than ever, It's very important for you to sign up early for Twist and Shout. If you want to do that with the coupon code that uh, is available for you on the website, the Balloon Artist Podcast website, just go to balloonartistpodcast.com and look for the TNS17 link and you will be able to get a coupon code and win prizes as well. Uh, if you're interested in the things that I do, uh, please consider joining the Kids Entertainer Academy. I'm going to do a lecture there on the 15th of November, and it will be a lecture about negotiation. It will be the third part of a three lecture series, and you get access to all three lectures when you join this uh, program, the Kids Entertainer Academy. Just on uh, Thursday night, my time in Israel, I've uh, started a new show. It's a, a live interview show on the Facebook group, The Balloon Artist. I would like to do some of those uh, interview shows again in the next future. Probably next week you will see the buzz in the Facebook group. So please stay tuned. If you're interested in that type of a format and you want to be coached live, in the, in, this, in the show, in the Coaching Balloon Artist live show, uh, then just go to the balloonartistpodcast.com site and there is a tab 
there for Facebook Live. Go into that and you can sign in for the waiting list. Thank you guys for being here, for listening to the Balloon Artist podcast. See you on the Balloon Artist Facebook group and uh, next week. Drive safely, guys. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 3, Chapter 5, and I am very happy to share with you the tip in the tip section. So first of all, uh, thank you everyone for being here and listening. Um, the tip to, for, of today is a little bit different because it is a bunch of resources that are available for you guys on the balloonartistpodcast.com website. So, of course, you, some of you already know the resources that are available on the right side with the colorful banners like the pink banner and with information about hair bands and hair clips and slap bracelets. And those resources are free, by the way. Uh, the tips about resources of, of how I manage uh, my business um, the Fiverr gigs that I used, and also the first chapter of my ebook, uh, the Champion Building System, which is something I'm very proud of. But there is a new resource, and that is the tip of today. If you go to the top menu of the balloonartistpodcast.com, then you can find uh, a tab about resources. And the resources, there are currently are four of them uh, some, some information about the ethics in our niche, in our beloved industry. Uh, there is a checklist for SEO, which is, by the way, search engine optimization. And it is not the usual checklist uh, that a lot of people might find. It's totally original content. And it is more related to how to improve your uh, functionality and your user experience of your site. And by that, improve your SEO. So in a sense, this is not the regular approach. There's also the Tower of Marketing and the pipeline, the modern business pipeline. Those two pieces of information are directly uh, from MAPC, the Modern Automated Balloon Business course that I run now for the second time. And I'm really, really proud of the results that the balloon artists are getting and of the motivation and of the, um, the mutual help in the community of MAPC. Uh, so um, I'm, I'm so excited to share with you these pieces of knowledge. That those are actual valuable pieces of, of content from MAPC. Uh, enjoy this. Uh, see you soon on uh, a convention near you. Maybe twist and shout, maybe float, uh, maybe even the Israeli event, which happens uh, in the 5th, 6th and 7th of December in Israel. And it is something that uh, Guy Sheffer and me are arranging, like a mini convention to to educate ourselves and to educate our uh, friends in Israel. Uh, so thank you again for listening to the tip. I strongly recommend take some time, go to the balloonartistpodcast.com and really read what the resources have for you there because this stuff is deep. Microphone dropped.